This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofale Hiatu and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Halatau and once again I'm joined by my wonderful co-host over in Aotearoa, Sarah Nengama. Sarah. Bula Dean and Bula to all of our listeners. A pleasure to be back again for another week. I also just want to give a quick shout out to all of our Fijians out there, Fijian listeners. It was Fiji Independence Day earlier this week so I hope that you got around celebrating the culture. Just want to preface that again, I am in New Zealand, so there may be a few uh, crackling noises here and there, but nonetheless, we've got a stellar show lined up for you today. We certainly do. We've got a look back at the weekend in sport. We chat with Crystal Kowa, and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. Sarah, plenty going on, obviously, over there in New Zealand with World Cup. Uh, How has your week been? Yes, big going on. Last week, we uh, opened up our Rugby World Cup campaign with a game against the Black Ferns at Eden Park. Last we spoke, I was... I knew, I knew, sorry, that I was in the 23. I just didn't know whether I was coming off the bench or starting. I had the absolute privilege of starting in the number four jersey. So a starting debut um, at Eden Park against the Black Ferns. You couldn't script that one for me. Um, but it was such an incredible opportunity. Unfortunately for us as the Wallaroos, we fell short and we'll get into it a little bit later. But ever since Saturday, it's just been about recovery um, and looking after the bod. Early this week, they put us through Test Match Tuesday, which is a bit rough on the bod. But other than that, just taking each day as it comes as we look forward to our next fixture against Scotland. But enough about me, Hala. What was happening in your world this week? Uh, no rugby league on the weekend, which was really good. So first, bom, bom, bom. yeah, it was um, it was cool to just have a week away from that. But I, I actually um, I was at at work on uh, on Tuesday, and um, Kennedy Charrington, friend of the show, part time co host, uh, she was picking up some stuff from our community team, and I bumped into her out the front, and she'd pulled over on Driver Avenue. Not allowed to do that, by the way. Anyway, she pulled over on Driver Avenue, got out to get um, the things off our community friend, Emily Latu, who we've spoken to before, mm-hmm. and her car just started rolling its way down Driver <coughs> Avenue. And we're, we're in a like, conversation, three of us, and I went, uh, your car's rolling away, and she t- we turned around. She'd left it in drive, put the handle <gasps> on. I ran, I ran around onto the street, jumped in the driver's seat. And oh my god! Put the brake on, uh, chucked it into park, and and turned her car off. <laughs> that is full on. How like how far did it roll it did, down? It didn't get far. It just started. Like I was just because I was facing the road, I seen it, and uh, so it was. Uh, it didn't get too far, and I think it would have hit the gutter. But um, yeah, robot car um, was was in full effect, and uh, Kennedy was so embarrassed. I got back out. We were like having a good chat. <laughs> And she goes, can we just forget about that and move on? So, um, yeah, that's, that was my little story for the week. It was pretty funny. That is a great story. Speaking of top stories, what is our one for this week? Well, uh, the, the World Cup for Rugby League is uh, about to take place in the Northern Hemisphere over in England. And the Gillaroos, who will kick off in um, uh, just under a month's time, they have announced, or it's been announced, that they will be receiving a 30000 fee for the tournament, which is... Uh, a 
fairly significant jump from the last World Cup they participated in 2017 here in Australia, they, where they received 3,000 uh, for that entire tournament. So, they, look, there's there's a desire from the Australian Rugby League Commission to, to boost women's payments to, to be on parity with um, with the Kangaroos, particularly in 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 that international stage. So, um, this this announcement or the, the reporting that they're going to be paid that that much is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's so impressive. And as you said, to jump from 3,000 in 2017, which was only about five years ago, to now being able to say that they're going to earn $30,000 for a a four to six week campaign is huge. And it also speaks volumes of how they want to respect their women and close the gap, sorry, and and coming from a code where we haven't necessarily reached that height yet, I really do hope that we can take a note or two because this is the respect that they deserve. And it's so good to see the jewelers being rewarded in such a way. Yeah, and, and a few comments from um, Brad Donald, the, the Jillaroos coach, who's been in the women's game in rugby league for a long time. Um, you know, he's, he said he said that just being able to have a tournament fee that's that's you know more substantial than it has been in the past it enables the players to make better decisions leading into the tournament and also while they're away in the tournament where they feel a bit more comfortable about um, you know potentially giving up work and, and, and all the things. Well, yeah, definitely giving up work for, for a lot of the girls. So it's um, it's a big move and, and obviously it's going to make their preparations run a lot smoother as well. So well done. Yes, absolutely. Turning our attention to the Rugby Women's World Cup, which we know right now is happening in New Zealand. Last Saturday, the campaign opened with four test matches happening across the ditch. The first was Fijiana taking on England. Now, this was always going to be such a tough matchup because England are currently ranked number one. And for the Fijiana, this is the first time for them to be included in the Rugby World Cup. So everyone was a bit umming and ahhing as to how Fiji would go because we know that they certainly have their own brand and style. But unfortunately for them, they fell incredibly short 84 to 19. I do want to make mention though, this was one of the three fixtures that were happening out at Eden Park last Saturday and the Wallaroos, our bus was pulling in just as they were closing out their game and the crowd absolutely erupted in praise. You would have thought that they'd won the game, but it's because they scored one of the last tries in that match. So unfortunately for them, they did fall short, but they will have an opportunity against South Africa next Sunday. So I think they will have a better crack. And um, by all accounts, they are looking to build on that performance because again, we know that they're here to compete and with their flair and style, I think they'll be a little bit too much for South Africa. Now, the game that I absolutely want to talk about is the Black Ferns versus Wallaroos game. Uh, this game was, dare I say, the headlining event for last Saturday. And um, we opened up that our, our try scoring account quite early in the, in the first half and had all the momentum, but the Black Ferns fought back hard, finishing with a 4-1 to 17 scoreline. A few things didn't work out in our favour and that certainly included our two yellow cards to Ivani Wong, our winger and also our captain, Shan Parry. Um, two yellow cards in about the, the 40 to 50 minute mark, which is what tends to be our lull period. Um, was it was quite costly and and for us it became too much for us to contain the black ferns who had some strong striking weapons in Porsche Woodman and Ruby Tui on the edges. So unfortunate for us, but lots of lots of great things to take out of it as we prepare for our next test match against Scotland this Saturday. Yeah, so aside from the result, obviously um, to, to be so competitive for, for a big part of the match um, and, and as you say, that the Black Ferns come home strong in the second half. How was the experience out in front of so many people at Eden Park um, to kick off the World Cup? It must have been uh, an amazing, amazing game for you to be part of. Yeah, it certainly was. And that will definitely be one of my most memorable moments of rugby. Walking out of the tunnel, 
again, I'd never played against the Black Ferns and I certainly had never played at Eden Park before. So as we're walking out of the tunnels, like I, you could hear the crowd, you could feel the crowd and walking out, it was genuinely a blackout. Like there was just black everywhere that you looked. Um, it was such an electric atmosphere and something that was really powerful was facing their haka. Um, again, you've only, I've only ever watched it from the grandstands or watched it on telly. So it was so cool to witness that firsthand, but then you feel just as strong because I'm standing there with like my sisters and, you know, you, you're genuinely ready to go to war. So such a memorable experience and also so cool to play in front of a record crowd. I believe there were over 40,000 people who were there um, to support the match, which is record breaking um, in terms of support for a standalone women's rugby match. So there's certainly a lot of positives to take away from it. And again, you can only hope that the spectacle of women's rugby will continue to grow bigger and bigger as the campaign goes on. Yeah, certainly. Well, we wish you luck again for this week against Scotland and um, to keep your, your hopes alive to um, to lift the trophy at the end of the tournament. But um, well done on, on that jersey in a World Cup. Thank you. Something else that's been grabbing our attention, Hala, is NFL, which we know you love and adore. Yes, I do love the NFL. Unfortunately, this week, my fantasy... Um, Leagues that I'm in, I, I didn't go too well. I had one win out of five, I think it was, so that's um, disappointing. But in terms of the results, we, we've all picked teams. We've spoken about it over the last few weeks. Nelly's with the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, they went down to the Vikings, 29 points to 22. For the Vikings, they're, they're running back. Dalvin Cook has been around for a while. He's a bit of a powerhouse, two touchdowns and 94 yards. And one of their young gun wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, had 12 receptions for 154 yards. So the big performers uh, for the Vikings in that match. My team, the Green Bay Packers, actually had a game in London. They took on the uh, New York Giants over in London, a bit of a um, exhibition for London people, but obviously still counting towards uh, the regular season for the NFL. The Packers as well went down 27-22, very similar score, but um, Saquon Barkley, another running back for the Giants, who's bounced back into form this year. He was injured for a majority last year, but he was like a, a college phenom. He's such a powerful, athletic human being. He gets 70 yards and one touchdown and, and showed what a handful he is. And now... Um, Sarah, you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a team that, that you've pegged on to. Unfortunately, they went down in a really low-scoring match to the Houston Texans, 13 points to six. Another running back that's sort of burst onto the scene this year for the Texans is Damien Pierce, 26 carries, which is a huge work rate in an NFL match, 99 yards and one, one touchdown. A couple of his runs, he was just carrying players like, swatting them off and they're really good defenders in the NFL like they often hit and stick really well and, and take players down but he, he'd swat three or four guys on a run and just looked like he was playing man amongst boys but um, big result sounds like you in your NRL career definitely not I was one of the defenders getting swatted but uh, well done <laughs> to the Houston Texans uh, Texans and Damian Pierce. now I want to point out uh, something that happened in the Chiefs and Raiders game which was the uh, the Monday night fixture and which comes uh, comes on our airwaves on um, Tuesday morning. Uh, Devontae Adams who's a wide receiver that's just uh, gone to the Las Vegas Raiders from uh, the Green Bay Packers. He's, he's, a, he's a gun wide receiver and, and one of their go-to players. They had a a bit of a, um, a chance to win it late in the game. He collided with another wide receiver you know, off his own team, Hunter Renfro, made a mistake, and it was pretty awkward. And he was quite disappointed, Devontae, when he came off the field, threw his helmet on the ground. And then when the game was over and they were leaving, he actually walked into a photographer that, that got up. A young, young photographer has got up to sort of make his way to another position as the team was walking off. And Devontae's walked straight into him and just shoved him on the ground. Like this, oh. this photographer looked quite quite young um he was only a little guy and uh yeah Devonta adams has just given him a shove it doesn't look great the footage is not not great and apparently the um the photographers um called police filed a report he went to hospital 
but I, I think the hospital part may be a bit of a, an exaggeration on what he, if he actually suffered any injuries. But anyway, um, that was that's making, a bit extreme. Yeah, making news at the end of the week. It was just a, it was a bit of a childish thing that that Devonta Adams did, and it didn't look great. So that was the weekend or the the week in uh, NFL. Thanks for that, Hal. Also, Devante, grow up. Why are you pushing Devante, photographer? Yeah. <laughs> grow up, Devante. <laughs> In addition to everything that's been happening this past weekend, the Matildas have fielded two friendly matches against South Africa and Denmark. Yeah, the Matildas, uh, firstly taken on South Africa, managed to get a win, four uh, goals to one, and it was, um, I think it was played at Chelsea's home ground over there in England, and uh, a good result there against South Africa, and then Early on Wednesday morning, they took on Denmark, where they were able to get uh, another result with a 3-1 uh, victory, which is, uh, which is really good for the Matildas. Obviously, next year is the World Cup over here in Australia, so it's, um, it's shaping up nicely for them to be able to be getting those results against those international teams. Yes, all of these friendlies will certainly put them in good stead for their World Cup campaign. Time now to... Turn our attention to AFLW, which was in round seven on the weekend. Nelly, jump in. There's some really good results for the players that we uh, like to keep keep an eye on. Absolutely. Carlton Blues actually managed to get a really solid win um, over the St Kilda Saints. So they won 6-8-44 to the Saints, 2-5-17. Um, and Darcy Vessio, not Pacifica, unfortunately, but they are a gun. And they actually are normally in the forward line, kicking goals for the Carlton Blues. But they moved back to the back line. Uh, so they were lining up with Mua and playing defence. Big defensive effort. Huge Why defensive effort. Why the change? Effort. Is it ta- yeah. tactical? Case just thought. Yeah. Last would be better as a defender. I guess they just haven't been getting the results in the past couple of weeks. They've had two draws. They've had quite a few losses. Looks like they're going, let's mix things up a bit. And it worked. But I do hope Darcy gets back to the forward line because they are incredible at kicking goals. <laughs> Good result for the Blues anyway. Yes, absolutely. Um, and over with the Lions, also managed to secure a win. 5-3-33 uh, over the North Melbourne Kangaroos, 3-8-26. So it was a tighter match than we probably expected from the Lions, but they still continue to dominate. And this week they'll be taking on... Um, the Adelaide Crows, who are also in uh, equal first. Uh, it's all split just by uh, percentage. So it'll be really good. I think that'll be considered the match of the round this weekend. So hopefully Jessie Wardlock can kick a few goals and Zimmy Farquharson. Jessie got one on the weekend. She did. Yes. She did. Unfortunately, Zimmy only got the one behind. But, yeah. you know, hopefully this weekend she will, they'll, they'll kick a bag. Kick a bag. Is that Kick the term? Bag. Kick I like a bag. That. Is that like? Is that like a lot? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I learned something today. <laughs> Kick that a makes bag. Makes two of us, Talanoa time. On can you be more Pacific? We're very lucky this week to be joined on Talanoa time by Crystal Kowa. She has just been recently named the new head coach of the Chiefs Manawa in the Alpiki Super Rugby competition. Uh, Crystal, thank you very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Morena Fano, um, thank you for having me. Well, I'll get started with uh, asking you, where, where, can you tell us, the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and um, yeah, you as a person? Um, I'm 
from the mighty New Zealand, but also um, Whakapapa um, up north to Te Rarua, um, Iwi, and that's like a really nice, beautiful place um, in Te Hapua at the very top of the North Island. Uh, but I was brought up in Gisborne, beachside, oceanside, and um, have been in love with rugby, I suppose, since I was five when I started playing. Um, got to coach young. At 19, I started coaching, so I've been coaching half my life. And then I suppose I loved rugby, but when I started coaching, I found the love of coaching just so much more. You're able to give back in ways um, that change lives. And yeah, now I'm lucky enough to, for the last five years, I've been doing that as my job. And so um, it's taken me around the world. I've been able to coach in Japan and in Nicaragua and Borneo um, and all different places. Uh, and my family, I've coached with my husband a lot of the time. And so I've been able to travel the world with my family. Got two young boys, eight and ten, right in Kona. Um, and they've got to travel the world. They're both fluent Japanese speakers. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been an epic journey and very blessed and grateful to rugby, to be honest, for the life that it's um, allowed me. Your roots in rugby started at such a young age. Was the sport something that your va- that your family valued a lot? It was funny when I started playing. Um, I went straight into the forwards, and um, I remember my dad putting me on the wing <laughs> because I was like the only girl on the team, and I hated it on the wing because when you're five, you do not get the ball when you're on the wing, and so I I um, took a little hiatus from code until I was in. Um, Till later on at um, high school and then yeah I, I again started in the backs and went from 12 and then worked my way into 7 then 8 then 16 lock and then I stopped at um, 34 I think at, at lock I wasn't willing to move closer to the front row and so yeah <laughs> my family uh, <laughs> big rugby lovers um, and yeah I think that's a really good thing about New Zealand. Like you've got a rugby ball, touch ball, league ball in your hands from a young age, whether it's um, bull rush in the backyard or um, playing code at lunchtime with um, your mates. You know, we're we're surrounded by oval ball sports here. Yeah, it's it's one thing um, that that often over here in Oz we see so many talented kids come out of New Zealand and and. What you just mentioned there, the, the fact that you, you grow up with the ball in your hand and you're um, constantly refining those skills as a, as a youngster, it's um, no doubt the reason why we see so many um, that, that, that are successful. You mentioned also having to play as a youngster uh, in, the, in the boys' competition and um, being the only girl on the side. Can, can you give us a bit of an insight as to the, the pathways that are, that are now available for uh, girls and, and women in New Zealand, in, in rugby in particular? I think it's a good thing that um, girls and boys play together um, up until um, intermediate high school here in New Zealand. And so girls can play in like mixed teams all the way through. Um, and then at high school, they start to move into um, women and men's and it works well. But you also now have at a primary school level, full girls teams and full girl competitions. And so you have both pathways that you can take as a real youngster and then Moving up into high school, the pathways with sevens and fifteens with that high school age is really good. Um, 
we're starting to move into chief competitions for just our region. So um, there's high school, then there's regional, and then there's national, like at that young age. And the good thing is there's some schools that can't put together rugby teams, but um, in New Zealand you can play for other schools if you are in love with the code. And so it allows more people to play the game. Once you start getting up to um, the national level, um, there's there's still that gap between um, we've got fully professional rugby players at um, the national level. Now with Opeke, it's the first um, kind of semi-professional rugby outside of our national team. So you've got 15s and 7s who have always who have been contracted for the last few years of sevens for a long time but under that there had been nothing it had all been amateur um all for the love of the game and so now to have a competition that is semi-professional where um players are coming in and being paid uh it allows us to take the game to a different place and you see what's happened in england um and what they've been able to do with the competition and um it makes a big difference with Super Rugby Opiki, we saw how successful the inaugural season was. Heading now into next season, there's obviously, a, a, I guess, an expectation that the game will just go to the next level. And looking at the, the landscape of New Zealand women's rugby, it is phenomenal. Do you feel, I guess, a, a strong sense of excitement amongst players that if they play really well within this competition, being a black fern is much more attainable than they think it is? I think the brilliant thing is within our FPC competition this year, the level of the game moved and I reckon that was a direct result of people knowing that there were Opiki contracts at the end of it. And so we've literally about six weeks ago finished our um, FPC, which is like a regional competition. And then from that, our Opiki contracts have been put out. So we've just finished contracting yesterday for Opiki. Um, and then out of Opiki, the next lot of Black Ferns contracts don't come till the end of Opiki. So Opiki is literally a platform to put your hand up for the national team. So we now have a genuine pathway from club to FPC, FPC to Opiki, Opiki to national level. And we haven't had that before. It's uh, it, it certainly is. Uh, it sounds great that that opportunity does exist and like, there's a clear pathway uh, for girls and, and over there in New Zealand. I guess um, for yourself, uh, now being the head coach and, and, as you say, having to contract players out of FPC into now the Opiki, uh, how's that been for you, having to get out and um, watch rugby to, to recruit? Do you have a team with you that, that does that? Do you have scouts that, that are out watching games as much as possible to try and tell you or let you know who the, who the players to, to try and target are? Um, I was involved in FPC, so I suppose I was on the ground um, level, got to see the players throughout the FPC season across the whole country, and so that was awesome. But I was actually in um, South Africa with the New Zealand Sevens when I got the job, um, and it was I got the job on day one of World Cup Sevens, um, and then contracting started um, three days later, and so at the end of the World Cup Sevens in South Africa, contracting started. And so the last three weeks has been awesome. Uh, it's been epic and we've got a good range of athletes from last year, like our players um, coming in from last year are going to be important. I don't know if you understand the 
competition as a because it's semi-professional we can only bring players together in contracted times and so we have a connection weekend where we can't train and then we have two two-day weekends and then we have pre-season one game and then we play so we have four I'd say training days together before the competition starts so it's a really like we're not at the end game of where we need to take it to um, it's still a starting point, I'd say, the competition form and the time together in terms of pre-season. But it is exciting because you know this is a starting point and it's only going to grow from here. So much to look forward to, Crystal. I just got to ask, what do you believe your coaching style is? I think it's that balance between love and performance, <laughs> that kind of sweet spot of culture and ensuring we create a space where people can be uniquely themselves but for the team uh it, i always say it's um what you're great at that is the reason um you're gonna be able to impact and change the team and you've got but you've got to do that for the team and yeah so i'd say it's a, it's the balance between caring deeply about people um and being able to communicate with them and then holding them accountable to the performance standards and where we need to go that would probably be my coaching style and probably Ruthless but honesty. <laughs> Ruthless but honest. I love that. Well, Crystal, again, I just want to say um, congratulations on securing the head coach role. You certainly are an example to a lot of players who would like to transition that way and just women in general to, to be able to take spots that are predominantly do- dominated by um, men. So thank you so much for trailblazing in the way that you do. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, Krista, we can't let you go too easy because we love to run this little segment with our guest called Tip On. And basically, it's 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Would you be down to play before we let you go? Yeah, what kind of questions? I'm keen. Yeah, it's just rapid fire questions. So fun, lighthearted, one one answer kind of questions. Oh, yeah, sounds fun. All right, cool. Let's do it. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching or listening to lately? Uh, oh, what am I reading at the moment? Oh, I'm actually writing at the moment, writing a book. Love, love it. Who is your sporting hero? Oh, oh, so many. Um, I don't. Oh, I'm such a I'm so many people. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say, let's go and let's go and I'll come back to it. Okay. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Greatest achievement. What was your favourite movie? Favourite movie as a kid? Uh, Lion King. Yep. Favourite place you've travelled to? Oh, uh, Nicaragua or Croatia. Do you have a hidden talent? Uh, I'm quite artistic quite artistic so we learned two great things one you're writing a book that is very very cool can you shed a little bit of light on that it's called hunting freedom um i suppose i was brought up uh with a bipolar mum and life was really tough and difficult and um i suppose my want and need to understand my own headspace and help others understand theirs comes from that life of chaos when I was young and so yeah I really want to write a book for my kids and my nieces and nephews um, to help them navigate 
life and for people in general how to manage their way through hard times and I suppose I was always hunting perfection as a young person but when I moved my headspace to hunting freedom life changed for me so that's what the book's about. Oh, that's awesome, uh, Crystal. We, we can't we? We'll share we'll share that with our listeners when uh, you get to a point that it's uh, it's hopefully ready to be published. That's um that's really cool to to hear that you're doing that. Thank you once again for joining us on the show. We wish you all the best uh, for next season in the Super Rugby Old Picky. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Krista Collis. She is the head coach of Waitamo Chiefs Manawa. We wish you all the best for the upcoming Super Rugby Old Picky season in 2023. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, time for You Can Ask That, our favourite part of the week where we get a question for a former or current athlete, of course, the current athlete being World Cup uh, superstar Sarah Ngama, me being the former. <laughs> Our question this week is, how do you manage tensions in a team? It's from uh, Barbara and Lotoka. And I guess the tensions that I, I'm, I'm assuming the question is sort of shaped around is when teammates have a little um, disagreement or maybe they don't actually like each other, but they've still got to turn up on the weekend and play a game together. Sarah, have you experienced this before? Oh, I certainly have faced some of this. Not that I've ever had tension with someone else. Can't imagine um, that would ever happen with you. No, the life I'm of the t- party. You bring people together. Oh, thank you, Hal. I try to create family wherever I go. But I mean, I, I will. I do recall one incident that's actually happened in this World Cup campaign where. Um, like me and one of the other girls were doing some contact and you just know when someone's just shoving you a little bit extra than what's needed. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to you today, but like I am not the source of it. Maybe I was, I didn't know. But anyway, I swore at her quite heavily in front of everyone. I did, I did. I'm not proud of it. And then by the time that we reset to go for the next rep, I called out to her and I said, hey, I just want to say I'm sorry for the way I spoke. She was very uncalled for. And, um, yeah, like, I'm sorry. And she looked, at back, looked back at me and said, what did you say? And I, I told her what I said. She goes, oh, I didn't even hear you. And I was like, oh, okay. But for me, it's, like, really important to be able to squash things as they happen because, one, I hate conflict and I also hate late confrontation as well. And I just thought it was, like, the moment to do it. Um, but that being said, I certainly play with girls that don't love each other off the field, but they have found their sweet spot of being amicable um, and also quite respectful of each other. So I guess the the gem in this is there are teams and within those teams there are players that don't, um, you know, rate each other. Not, 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 rate's not the right word. They don't, they don't like each other. They're not fans of each other's characters, but you find a way to be able to squash that um, tension because playing in a team sport you need to be on each other's side to be able to to reach the common goal of winning so yeah tensions do exist in a team but how you manage it is i guess the difference yeah well it's a good point like the, the common thread between like amongst any team has got to be that uh that goal to win or playing the sport that you all love so that binds you together for for that purpose and if if that's stronger than those differences in personalities or the clashes that happen then you can kind of fix on that and, and try and um, use that to get to get out. It's really a mature um, way of handling it yourself, actually, by just apologising straight away. Nipping. I like that late confrontation thing you said. You, you don't want it to sit there and fester and then you know come up later. Is that is that what you mean by the late confrontation? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've seen it happen even just quite recently of the 
the confrontation not happening, like I feel like if there ever is something that happens on the field and you feel like, oh, that that moment wasn't cool or it hurt me or I probably hurt someone else, squash it as early as possible. Yeah. Like even if even before you get off the pitch, because I swear it's just not worth the awkwardness, the, oh, I see her sitting at my table, so I don't want to sit there. You know, like it's it, it becomes quite childish. So, yeah, that's what I mean by the late confrontation. I don't want it to to kind of run over training where I feel like weird because again like being on tour and just trying to make it a little bit more current and in context is like I'm living with these girls for at least another four weeks I've already done three weeks I've got another four to go so um trying to keep the peace wherever you can is so important to making this experience much more enjoyable yeah very mature approach I I, I remember a, um an incident while we're talking uh, that happened when I was at the Tigers and I'll name the guys because they often joke about this now. Go uh, on then. Which is uh, Bryce Gibbs and Keith Galloway. So two front rowers. Um, <laughs> both, both. Um, well, Keith is a pretty quiet guy. Um, I'm, actually, you know Keith, don't you? Sarah, you may know yes. Keith. So Keith's pretty quiet most of the time and um, Bryce Gibbs is kind of the joker larrikin guy. They got into it at training one day in a scrimmage, scrimmage session where just what you were explaining before, one got a bit um, firmer with the other the other took exception to it and then they started pushing and shoving and then they started throwing punches <laughs> and oh wow and and the um, it was actually caught on some um on some video uh that was set up <laughs> for the for the training session coaches running and pull them apart boys running and pull them apart but they they get over it and now they joke about it and uh, i think actually one of them threw it up on social media last year <laughs> just has a bit of a, a dig at the other one um but <laughs> I guess it, it, it's bound to happen when you're trained to work as hard as you can to inflict a bit of pain on other players, opposition players, that when you practice it, it's going to happen. So if, if you can deal with it and throw it away and leave it on the pitch where it should stay, then I think it's, um, it's probably a, a good thing or a good way to do it. And, and your, your tactic of uh, fronting up, apologising and moving forward from it really quickly is, is a good way. Uh, I like that, Sarah. Thank you, Hala. So I guess our, our advice would be is how do you manage tensions? Yeah, just do. Say sorry early. Get rid of the confrontation piece as early as possible because, yeah, tension does exist, but how you manage it will be the ultimate difference. So if you've got a question, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram at Sarah Nangama and this guy over here at Dean Hallatow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the top headlines in the rock. Joining us on Island Life this week, uh, Vaitita Wangatabu from the Fijian Pearls netball team. She is the captain and they are currently up in Queensland for the Pacific Netball Series. Vaiti, thank you very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Uh, hi, I'm Vaiti Zawangatambu and I hail from Rawasa Village, that's in the province of Ra, in the Western Division of Fiji. Vaiti, it's, it's great to have you on the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, growing up playing netball, when you started playing netball and um, where it's taking you to today? Uh, yes, I started playing uh, netball uh, back in my hometown in Rakiraki when I was uh, 10 years old, following my mom around on every club games uh, back home. Then uh, I 
gradually rise to go to a prominent uh, girls' school uh, in Fiji, uh, Angela Kambau School, where I was chosen to be part of the under-21 uh, in 2003. And uh, unfortunately, I missed out on the World Cup uh, that year due to examination in school. And that has, hasn't uh, stopped me from uh, vying to wear the national colors uh, back home till 2009, where it was my first break into the national team um, in a tri-series match in uh, Pretoria, South Africa. That was my first uh, debut for the national team. And uh, from there, I haven't looked back uh, since today. Well, it's uh, it's great to hear that journey that you've been on and, and the fact that you are able to bounce back from, from some disappointments during the middle where you weren't able to, to be selected, but to go on and then be selected. And, and now uh, you've got the responsibility of, of, of captaining the Fijian Pearls. Um, can you tell us what it's like to, to have that responsibility and, and, and what you, um, your approach to the role of being captain, I guess? Well, uh, I guess uh, I'm blessed to be leading these uh, young, talented um, girls. And um, also, I find it a very challenging responsibility, having to have a brand new players in the team where uh, there isn't much uh, experience on our side. But uh, I guess with the fighting spirit in us, we should be able to make it through to this tournament. What is the, the current age range within the group? You speak about the mixture of younger and older players. How old would your youngest player be and how old is your, 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 your eldest? Uh, our youngest uh, player is, in, uh, is a 17-year-old and uh, the oldest is 35 years old. I love that. Such a good age range. Keeps everyone on their toes. <laughs> um, Vaiti, I guess... Um... With with such a young squad and and yourself being more experienced, uh, do, do you one do you see yourself as that experienced player or, or the more senior player that can really offer some good advice to younger players? Uh, well, my advice to young players is that uh, success has uh, no age limit. As long as you put your mind and your willing heart to it, you are able to succeed in whatever you are vying for. It's good advice, and uh, I'm sure all of our younger listeners can take something from that. With the the Pacific Netball Series that's that's taking place up there in Queensland, um, it's a good opportunity for yourselves uh, and other nations uh, from the Pacific to be involved, but also um, for uh, some some players here in Australia to get some exposure to to some national sides. Is has it been a a good competition previously? And are you looking forward to kicking things off this weekend? Well, for this weekend, uh, we're taking this uh, series as a testing uh, ground for us in terms of uh, trying out uh, new combinations with uh, the young and the um, old players uh, in the team. And it's also a build-up um, build tour to, uh, to the World Cup. And uh, yes, coming out uh, as number one is, uh, uh, in this tournament is an added uh, bonus to the team. What is um what is the current uh, I guess the current feeling amongst the group? We know that you have a huge tournament in the World Cup coming up at the end of the year. Is everyone just really competitive at this rate, trying to solidify their positions come that um that tournament, or is everyone just taking it as as each day comes? 
Uh, yes, we are taking uh, each day as it uh, comes, and uh, for the new debutants, uh, it's a big uh, exposure to them, having to feel and play in the high-intensity netball. That's really good to hear. I guess my, my last question to you would be is, netball in Fiji is such a popular sport. Do you feel like the public is really recognising um, that sport to be one of the most popular in the nation? Uh, yes, uh, back home, um, the support of our supporters and the loved ones, uh, it's been tremendous. Well, Vita, it's, it's great to hear that uh, one, Nepal is um, so strong in Fiji, but um, that you've got this opportunity again to play in the Pacific Series, which, uh, as I mentioned before, it starts uh, this Sunday. Uh, so we wish you all the best in, in that series. I, I know it's a pretty full schedule. You've got a game each day. Um, so um, best of luck and uh, thank you very much again for joining us on uh, Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Time for our social media chat, exploration, uh, fun. Sarah, you're the queen of this. What have you found this week? I certainly am the queen of this. My one, or my social this week, comes from the Wallaroos Rugby slash World Rugby Insta Reel. And uh, basically, earlier this week, the Wallaroos, we had an internal culture night where we had the chance or the opportunity to showcase bits of our culture and share it with the rest of the team. Um, it was really, really cool to be able to hear a little bit more about where the girls are from, um, some of their cultures and traditions. We had the First Nations girls give us a bit of a storyboard where we got to paint, um, I guess, our own piece of work, had a carver ceremony. Um, you really got to head to each of those Instagrams to check it out, but it was just a beautiful display um, of our culture and to celebrate one another. And like, does it get any more culture than having Stan Walker as, Stan Walker. as the audio track? What a voice. Yes. What a voice. What a man. What a night. Go check it out for yourselves. It has... Uh, it uh, has certainly ranked as my social for this week. It looked like a good one. It looked like fun and uh, nice one, Sarah. I like that. Um, Thank you. Well, Sarah, my one this week comes from our friends at ABC Sport on Instagram. Uh, there's a, a clip of two guys and they're uh, on ice skates. On a, like, it looked like a mini rink. They're on an ice skating rink and they've got a tennis net set up and they're playing tennis against each other, which I think is pretty impressive to be able to play tennis. And they're not bad either. They're actually quite, quite good at it. And to dive around the ice and play tennis, I thought it was pretty cool. It's not easy, one, to play tennis, but then to do it on ice skates, yeah, miss me for that one. But, no, you, you found a good social this week. I've got a feeling that you're good at tennis, Sarah, because you're quite tall. Um, no, I'm not good at tennis, but I'm really good at ice skating. Oh, okay. Yeah. Should we have I used a, to always go... Should we have a game of ice skating tennis? You know what? Set the time and place and find me there. I'll be there with my size 11 skates. As long as I can find a rink the same size as they're using, then we're on. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> In the ruck, tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? In the ruck this week, we have a couple of headlines that we want to cover, starting with the NRL. As we know, the Rugby League World Cup is set to kick off our men this month and the teams are already over in England setting up for their campaign and there have been a couple of friendlies. And the first that took our attention was the Tonga warm-up match against France where Tonga came out with a very comfortable win. 
Yes, Tonga, who are pretty much like they're almost a tier one nation now, except they haven't got that status. But the the, the quality of their team and the way they're going, uh, they have been going over the last few years. They they should be up there against or next to Australia, New Zealand, and, and England as a tier one nation. Anyway, they they smashed France uh, forty eight points to twelve. Over there in a in a warm up, as you say, leading in, there's been a few, but um, it signals to the rest of the competition that um, Tonga are where they need to be. They mean business, and they're going to be hard to beat throughout this tournament. Yes, they certainly will be a side to be reckoned with. Over to the Fiji Bati, Brian McDermott has been called up to coach or help Joe Rumbella coach the Fiji Bati. It was a late SOS coach. Oh, sorry, it was a late SOS call as West Tigers assistant David Ferner um, couldn't commit to the trip in England. Yeah, it's uh, obviously um, a bit of a hiccup not having David Ferner uh, able to travel over there to take part as he coached him during the year for the mid-season test against Papua New Guinea. Um, but Brian. McDermott is a guy that's got plenty of experience, uh, leads Rhinos, Toronto, Wolfpack, and had plenty of success with both teams. So uh, to add someone of his calibre, he's um, from England, so he knows the area. So that's um, it's good to have a local as well on board. But um, definitely uh, it's going to be challenging to have a short run in with the coach um, to a tournament like the World Cup. Um, but hopefully the work that they've done during the year, the players can help bring him up to speed to where they're at and then he can just sort of use his insights to try and make, make the most of that, I guess. Yeah, well said. McDermott will be a welcomed addition to the Fijian Bati side. Worth mentioning also that the Fijian Bati had their friendly match against England and did cop a heavy beating of 52-0 loss. Worth mentioning also that the likes of Api Korosal, Wanga Blake and Mike Siva were missing as they were still making their way over. But hopefully that's um, the addition of McDermott will, um, I guess, put a fire in their belly to come out firing against their first test match against the Kangaroos. Yeah, some big outs there with the players you mentioned, Sarah. I think... Um they will be better once they have those those inclusions of the particularly grand final players. But good news that our four sip tails were also named in that Fiji Bati squad, and uh, no doubt a good reward for the season, or not the season they have, but good reward for what they've displayed uh, in playing for the Silk Tails in the Ron Massey Cup. Yes, the big brother, Wes Nangama, also the head coach of the Silk Tails, is very proud to see the likes of Jawasa, Jojo Langi, Pio Sevi, Penoni, Tangitumi and Buata Thara Walevu um, being announced as part of this squad. It is something that you aim for when you play in a competition like that to be able to earn recognition in the higher ranks um, and to see four players, I guess, make their World Cup debut will be something that they that they all can be certainly proud of. Yeah, we look forward to seeing how they go. Now, the Cook Islands are also there at the World Cup and a player who uh, was formerly from the NRL has, has shifted over to England. He missed a lot of this year through injury and suspensions, but he's made, been made available for the World Cup. Brad Takairangi, who uh, his sister Kiana, uh, we're all familiar with. She's a friend of the show. She's um, also a co-host uh, on that Pacific Sports Show on the ABC Network. Um, Brad being available for the Cook Islands is a wealth of experience, which they, they, they really need. Their coach, Tony Ito, he's um, very confident that Brad, despite not having played a lot of football this year, is going to be good in terms of his leadership and the experience that he brings to that side. Yeah, he certainly will be an addition. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they use him, knowing that he's such a utility player as well. Yes, he, he can cover anywhere, Brad. He's uh, quite skillful. Now back to rugby and um, some news from the Black Ferns camp in the World Cup. Sarah, a little, little poke here, I think, at the, the referees to try and get um, them to react in a way that's going to help them play better, I think. 
Yes, the Black fans have come out this week and said they hope that refs can control the tempo of the games and particularly around scrum time. Now, I don't know what the reasoning of this was because in my experience on the field last week, I thought that we set up quite quickly. There weren't any qualms, nor were we pulled up for wasting time um, come set up of scrum. But the reason they say this is in training, they've placed a huge emphasis of setting the scrum quite early so that they can release their backs a little bit earlier. And um, I find it a little bit weird um, that, that this has become a thing. But as we know, there's no timing or specific timing around how long it takes to set up for set piece. It really is up to the referee's discretion. But what the Black Ferns want is for them to show a little bit more urgency. Yeah, um, you're right. It is referee's discretion, right? So in league, they have the, the countdown clock on the scrums. But if there's no countdown clock, then up to the referee. And as you say, it's it's really about them tactically trying to get a little bit of an advantage based on the way that they play. But you probably don't want to delay it too long, as you could ask Mr Foley from the uh, Wallabies about delaying things and what happens there. I almost don't know if it's, like, if I can say too soon to say that. Oh, <laughs> like, sorry. too soon for you to say that to us. It's, it's, it's still something that hurts us. The Bledisloe has gone until next year, my boy. I take it back. <laughs> can I take it back? No, I can't. One thing that we wanted to <laughs> sort of question, Sarah, was the coverage or the, the lack thereof uh, in terms of um, the World Cup and uh, it, it is quite hard to, to jump online and to find um, match replays and, and highlights it doesn't sit where you'd think it would sit what, what's your thoughts on, on the coverage so far yeah I think this is a constant pain point particularly for the women's game in Australia it's tough right like right now we are in the thick of our World Cup campaign which in this instance has come around every five years <laughs> and um, I think in, in some parts there has been a bit of conversation around the lack of coverage of our World Cup campaign. It is quite a competitive part of the season where Australia A is currently competing, our youth have their championships but um, I think there is absolutely room to cover our game a whole lot better and extensively because you can only imagine the amount of coverage that happens when the men's have their World Cup. So Am I happy that there is coverage? Yes. Am I content with the amount of coverage? No, because this is the pinnacle of our game and I still think more can be done to give it the platform and the marketing that it needs so that people actually know that their Wallaroos are currently in New Zealand competing for the World Cup. It's a World Cup should be prioritised above the other. You, you, you said there was other things going on in the game, but you're in a World Cup, so I agree with you, Sarah. Yeah, it's, it's the pinnacle of everything that is happening right now within Australian rugby. Where we are right now as the World Roos is the most important thing. Couldn't agree and, more. Yeah, and, and that's just the truth. And looking at the social media um, pages that, that cover rugby in Australia, I just don't think it's been given the airtime that it thoroughly um, and rightfully deserves. Yep, well said, Sarah. Now... To end things on a little bit more of a positive note, the um, uh, 2022 Oceania Rugby Men's Championship is going to take place in a couple of weeks, 19th to the 27th of October in Papua New Guinea, which is um, great to see that return after a three-year hiatus from uh, 2019, the last time that it was held. Yeah, this is super exciting. It also serves as a Rugby World Cup qualification tournament. The teams that will feature within this championship are Solomon Islands, Vanuatu and P&G. And uh, very cool for Vanuatu because they haven't competed in this competition since 2007. A couple of other nations are eligible to participate, so we do expect them to make an appearance if they wish to. American Samoa, Cook Islands, French Polynesia, New Caledonia are just some amongst those nations. So 
very exciting to see the fixtures that come out of this and to see our Pacifica brothers battle it out for the title. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? I can't wait for the weekend. Boy, that makes two of us. We've got a game against Scotland. Let's go, Wallaroos. Take down Scotland. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on the show, but... Yes, so if you miss the show or you just want to listen to all the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm BG time. We can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. More there. We'll talk here. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of...